0: This episode of The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by Half Day. If you played in the Stinger, our annual member guest, you may remember the Half Day CBD Closest to the Pin Hickory Challenge. Now, through the link in our show notes, you can visit their full line of hemp-derived CBD products, and with the use of the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. I'll be back a little later in the show to share my personal experiences with Half Day. And if you're curious about the benefits of CBD for yourself, I encourage you guys to check them out. Draymond Washington, welcome to the backdrop, my friend.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm uh, delighted to be here and to talk some golf.
0: Pumped to do it. Uh, when we first met you said um something to me that i didn't forget and i think you said it again last week but you said uh i have a love hate relationship with the game of golf so uh, where do we find you at right now is it more love or is it more hate
1: um i I guess we could put it at late you know we can just kind of combine the two and just go from
0: there (laughs) it's just late it's just Um, right in the middle
1: yeah just right in the middle i mean it's a great game. I love it. It's all you think about, which kind of, I think, makes it the hate part. <laughs> You're kind of sitting at work thinking about how you played last night, which you can do better, and scrolling through Instagram, you see 30 different ways to do one thing, and you and everyone <laughs> one is saying the opposite of the other, and I think that's just kind of where the hate part comes in. but The love is where it keeps keeps me going back out there. So there's clearly a love.
0: I think a lot of us can obviously relate to that, um, you, you seem like a guy that has excelled at a lot in his life. And so was golf, you know, when you first picked that up, like how long have you been playing?
1: So like, I like dabbled when I was a kid. Um, my dad got like clubs for like a charity event, and raised enough money to like play a hundred holes in a day. And they gave him like a pink set of irons and he played a little bit. And then I would take it out. He'd try to get me into it. And I just, did like it and then in college it kind of just gave us a quick escape um never had a lesson just kind of went out there and acted like I had a hundred mulligans and just kept on moving and then senior year of college went out quite a bit during the summer but again it was just twilight hours led to rip just escaped from soccer but no real instruction and Acted like I was great, even though I was actually very terrible. <laughs> and then, so then didn't play for probably eight or from twenty to last two years ago now, two summers ago. And then I was kind of started to get back into sports. I didn't play any sports for like four years. Had a bad knee. Started playing soccer a little bit again, and just it would swell up for like a week at a time. And I just realized that that wasn't it. So just like, hey, let's pick up golf. All my friends are picking it up pretty seriously again, and got a couple lessons, didn't go well, but still kept playing a lot. Um, but yeah, so now I'm kind of like slowly getting there to where I'm kind of learning what to do, right. Sticking with the, sticking with a trainer. And I think that's kind of where hopefully it takes off.
0: I got a ton. I, we played last week and I got a ton of buddies that are, I think in the same, I call it a stage, right? Golf is just mm-hmm. this, you know stages of, of just like life, right? You just kind of go yeah. through them all. And I have so many buddies that um, were better at me than at a lot of other sports that are now coming to golf. And and that's like we were joking about our text chains. Like most of them are my, you know, I call them donkeys. Like these guys are just picking it up, just figuring it out, asking all these questions. Like I I love it. But a lot of it came from um, the necessity of wanting that uh, athletic competitive outlet but not mm-hmm. hurting themselves. Like they were football players. Right. They were basketball players. So was yours kind of injury related for you to like really get in? It sounds like the last two years you've really yeah. ramped it up.
1: Yeah, that was kind of the main thing. I mean I wanted something competitive and like I could pretty much jump into most sports, like at least in the sense of looking like I belong. Um and then golf I kind of jumped in and and look like I belong in the sense of what I wear and <laughs> the clothes I have. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely didn't belong um right away, and I think that's what makes me go at it so hard because you just you want to and you you can see how you can get there and the hardness of it makes you want to keep going just to like kind of i mean it's just a challenge it's just the challenge that I've taken on and i and I think my real issue of when I started going at it so hard is that I just wanted to play. And you really can't learn when you're just playing, and I think that's where I'm slowly, hopefully, changing. Uh, missed the range two nights ago where I normally would have played, so I think that's kind of where I think you have you have to spend time there because you can't learn and you try a swing, it doesn't work on your first shot, and you don't go back to it.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I, that's where I've actually I probably gave you uh, BS advice when we talked a couple months back because I. I never really um, encourage practice, honestly. Uh-huh. Like, and and I was thinking about that as you and I were talking. Like, um, you really have to like I, I encourage playing for people that you know are trying to get uh, maybe they're coming back to the game and they need to like right just just um, get more in tune with with the the rhythms of it. But if you're yeah. like working on something, and I, and I know like you were like you got to go practice you got it right you got to put it in like time
1: for, like anything in life yeah exactly and like there was like a little swing change like i made it the, the day and i felt that it was super helpful and i just I, if i went and played that day there was no way i would even have attempted it so right i think that was nice and my ball flight was awesome and it just felt good and you kind of want to go play right after but then it's almost to the point of why not go practice it again one more day and then.
0: yeah
1: If it doesn't yeah. work on the first try you're not gonna do it exactly
0: and then, and, the tr- right. and then the trick is when you do go play is to not work on that thing that you were just working on in the range. Like you still have to go out there and actually play. Um right. and hopefully all that work you did on the range is just going to uh naturally get into the golf swing. Right. And then, and then- and it was nice
1: though because I went to Harbor Side and they had the short game area. So at least there you can do different shots whereas the range I did the range, but I mean it's the same shot over and over and it's just not realistic. It's like sitting at the free throw line. But at least the short game area you can mimic something.
0: So yeah, good. yeah. I, I after our chat, man, I went to the range too. I was just like, you know what, yeah. <laughs> I got to get back to it a little bit. And and I think the best way to end a range session, like, get you uh, more closer to the golf course, is uh, visualization. Like visualize right. your your last, you know, five or ten balls of. Um, let's say you're playing of course the next day uh, when you're on the range, just try to visualize those first five holes and hit those mm-hmm. exact shots, like literally drop a ball. So you can't put, you know, roll the ball into your perfect lie, like drop yeah. a ball and try to visualize it. And then you get a little bit closer to what it's like to, to play. But you know, that practice session is it's practice. It's not, it's not the same. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you also had, I, I thought, so in these kind of two year stint that you've really ramped it up, You've had quite a few swing coaches.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like, and it, and it's not even like I really kept up with them. I was like one time, and that was it. And then one time, and that was it. And then you'd be, I and mean, then I would try to learn off Instagram because it was free And I was, but then no one could really see your see your swings. I feel like there's a couple things they do need to see, but then I would still try to just stick with the Instagram guys and. I, my my problem is I followed too many of them, and they all just say different stuff, and it was hard to stick out with it. And I would be like, "Oh, this guy doesn't work," Let me try this guy, and it would just it would just really play with your head. So I just, finally, I got with with yeah. uh, my last guy, Marcus, and it's been good. And I just said, "I'm going to stick with this guy and see how it plays out." I, but it's tough. I mean, you only have an hour, and, and I just golf is there's just so
0: much to it. I I just love the confidence of. Like you having this rolodex of coaches, and you're and I just heard you're telling one story where you just like got your your half of a second lesson, and you're like, no, I'm good this isn't this isn't working out like your services are no longer needed yeah, exactly. thanks for the help and that i thought I thought that was awesome because like i I'm too nice, I think sometimes to to say that like someone I maybe asked for help, and then you get into it, and you're like, Ooh, I didn't ask for all this." <laughs> right
1: just, yes exactly and it would be almost like you'd be at your first one and they tell you something the next one is like clearly against what they said the first time i was like clearly, i know my swing is jacked up but now you're negating it and all i'm thinking of is the first thing you told me and now the second thing is kind of gone against the first and oh gosh
0: i think when it comes it's to co- it's it is tough and when it comes to coaches for me i think it's actually not as much about what they're saying, but how they say it and how they understand right. that, like I learn, like you, you were a competitive athlete, so you've had probably you know plenty of coaches, and and you you know how you like to be coached, I guess. Versus right. you may not know what your golf swing needs or what your golf game needs, and that's why you need a coach. But you know how you like to be coached.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, well, I just took the alignment sticks out, and hopefully we are going to be my best coach. <laughs> I mean. Tells you everything you need to know. Yeah,
0: so. that's right. That's, it. that's right. I, tell, I I give you I, you have a setup that most people would be insanely jealous of.
1: No, I just got to get the rest of it together.
0: Yeah, it's just the moving parts. It's
1: all. It's <laughs> just um, stunt double. Yeah, you know, I'll line up. They <laughs> <Yeah>. swing. <laughs> uh,
0: so outside of just you know game improvement and, and getting it down, when is playing? When is golf at its best? for draymond like when are you just loving it
1: um so for me it doesn't matter pretty much how i play like i just love being out there and it's a positive vibes and it doesn't matter what i shoot or anything like that it's not in the sense of like i oh, might well, i shoot that but more in the sense of i just don't let it kind of affect my mood out there uh, like i played with a guy a couple months back who's like Plays in a lot of senior, like top events. I mean, scores are on ESPN all the time and things like that. And I mean, you mentioned afterwards, like, golf hasn't been that fun in a long time. I mean, like, and I shot like a 120 something, so it's fine. And I mean, I just, I'm just out there, I'm just out there having a good time. And I'd say it's probably it's the best when, like, just add a nice course, just join time with your friends, meeting you. I love meeting new people out there. I mean, I can't, it's countless. A lot of people I now talk to on a regular basis that I've met just like either playing with them, playing through them, and just staying there. And so when I started, I would just go by myself and had to build a Rolodex for people to play with. So it's always a good time for me. I mean, you're out, you're out on a course. I mean, it's just being outside of a park, you're happy. So it's a difference being there. So
0: I think that was one thing I noticed immediately with you in our first round together is how you were able to separate your enjoyment. From the results right. of it, because I know you didn't have the best day that when we were together. But mm-hmm. um, what do you have any advice for people? Because you, you've played with a lot of people now. Like, do you have advice right. for people that get that frustration that really, you know, if they're not playing well, they have a hard time enjoying themselves? Anything you tell those people?
1: Well, I kind of like summed it up to myself as like I played with this one guy probably like six months back, and he was PGA pro. Um, which I figured out when I was playing and go out with him and he would literally like land every shot on the fairway every shot on the green and it'd be like two yards off and I'd I'd never seen like so many cuss words said after after every shot like the other two people we were playing with they were like whoa like this is absolutely absurd I mean he probably shot like a 73 and like every shot it wasn't just like here or there so then I just realized it was it's like, you're going to be mad. <laughs> like, Why am I going to be mad? At you? <laughs> like, I'm so far away from what where you are. So there's just absolutely no reason for me to kind of be here and be upset. I mean, like, if you're mad, there's just no room for improvement. And it just makes you feel like so inadequate. So it's like almost like, why be upset out here? So that, I think that's where I really kind of summed up where it, it, it's okay just to be out here for enjoying it because... There's so much room for improvement every shot, no matter how good you get that why get upset at all. So
0: I I was talking to another one of our members about that actually, just in, in terms of like our um, expectations, even though we, if you keep getting better then your expectations get higher and your enjoyment Mm -hmm. will go down because inevitably you're just going to not hit those expectations. (laughs) Yeah. There was something that I read in uh, one of those mental game books or whatever. I don't know if it was Dr. Joe or, somebody else but it was uh there's no bad shots there's only three different mm-hmm. types of shots there's good good enough and great and if you think about every shot in that way it's like oh that's interesting because even if you just like rolled one up by the green it's not a bad shot it's good enough because you can get it right. up and down for par and i right. thought that i thought that's an interesting like flipping the perspective on there are there are no bad shots there's just those three yeah right
1: exactly so yeah. and i mean i play a sport that. Everything didn't have to be perfect. I mean, there's, there might be one goal a game, you know what I mean? It's, it's almost a sense of you, you have to adjust what's high. you, learn it right there. So it's not. So you have bad bats, you can't think of it right there. So it's the difference in golf. So I did, I, the only thing I don't like about golf is that there's a score on a score sheet, and they expect Tyre to shoot the same thing, and they expect me to shoot the same thing. <laughs> and it's almost the point of play. There's just no in between and you're and the expectations of what's good and great is just so far gone from a beginner. And so that's that that's the only thing that's that's mind boggling to me. But I mean, I guess you read it in the in Dr. good's book. I mean Yeah. Well you know, and and even if it's like a super rainy day, you still expect <laughs> expect me to shoot this score. So that's what's kinda and the expectations in your head are there, so I think that's the only hard part.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, at, at least the, the USGA did for the bad weather. They're doing the score adjustment now. I uh, should, yeah. The average, which they should. But I'm with you, man. I think we need a new scorecard. <laughs> you know, so, like, like
1: Give me a beginner scorecard, you know? And it's just, yeah. I, mean, I get the handicap and all, but it's still, still a yeah. par.
0: You know what my wife does? My wife, who plays like twice a year, she always insists on keeping the score and she just draws pictures on each hole. Um, got ex- except this last time she gave me a blank scorecard and on the one hole that she beat me, she had her, the both numbers listed. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> it was an 18 blank or oh, 17 blank holes and then her par and my bogey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she made sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. She got me. Um, <laughs> so I, is it safe to call, is it an obsession with golf right now for you?
1: Is it? Yeah. 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 Definitely an obsession and in a good way not like i i overthink it but i definitely like get out of my chair every hour and do 10 pets really quickly and then come back to work <laughs> so it's, it's I, next
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's i think it's there's hard to call it anything else i think we all can relate to that does it affect how 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 else has it affected drayvon's normal life like at home
1: oh uh, not in a bad way like i don't so when I, start with the, when I started playing, I was I was working from home um, so I could get to like a clubhouse really early play and work from there all day, which was kind of nice. Um, but I don't really play all the weekends. So it's like pretty rare um, if it's not the first tee time. So I can play like a 5.30 tee time during the week so I'll be home by like 7.30. So I, I don't let it, because I just like doing other things as well. There's so many other things I enjoy. Uh, I don't like to really let it affect me on, you know, on the weekend, but in the sense of like the home front, it's easy. My wife is so easy; she doesn't really care. Especially now, it's kind of easier because it's time away during all of this. So, I mean, in that in that sense, it it doesn't affect anything at all. So, yeah. which yeah. is nice, and it doesn't affect work, which is good. Um, when I first started, I would like try to buy all the stuff, like all the equipment and things like that. Does not sense the obsession has dropped because I think that you're. Overdoing it to a point. So now I just try to learn what I have because clearly it worked back in the day. So,
0: until you, too many
1: learning aids out there. I know, <laughs> yeah, I just, guys,
0: the toys are dangerous.
1: There's, there's too many. So, and
0: until you like guys, until you buy some space out in the suburbs and, uh, you know, try to build a three hole golf course, I think it's still <laughs> a healthy, healthy dose. Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> you guys are in River North, right?
1: Yep, we're in River North. Um, been here since we've lived here. So, not much. I mean, there was a park that like a friend and I go to, and we chip sometime, which is good, but we're always drinking. So, it's so almost yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> You're not
0: really learning. <laughs> You're just R- Restaurants back open. You guys are probably hitting the scene a little bit more now.
1: Yeah, we uh, went to Girl and the Goat actually Sunday night. Um, it was nice. And our table was in a parking lot. Uh, so, I don't know. I hope half. The money isn't paying for the decor inside that i didn't get to see so i guess that's where you're a little bit because the prices aren't changing so we're still definitely just eating outside now um, don't really feel the need to go inside especially since the weather's nice and kind of just nice being a West loop now for eating and just seeing everyone out there but still being able to be so far away and you can walk there so i'm, I'm all about walking places and then eating outside, so.
0: Right with you. Yeah. I, yeah. it would be interesting. I, I've noticed a lot of the restaurants are actually putting tables outside of their, per, you know, um, whatever the city regulated property line is. And uh-huh. I think, I think the cops are just allowing it to happen. I mean, I ate yeah. it literally in the street the other day. It was like closed down <laughs> and they had tables and I just sat down and was like, all right, that's, that's cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, I know. I know.
1: That's the issue.
0: That's probably why they're kind of trying to
1: slowly transition to it now, to not make it look like they're just doing it for the winter, but right. they have to do something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we, we don't know much about you from prior to Chicago. So, like, tell us a little bit more about, you know, where you grew up. I know you're from D.C., but, like, where specifically did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about Dre from uh, the early days.
1: So, I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland, so it's right outside. DC, probably about 20, 30 minute drive. Um, grew up playing soccer my whole life. That's pretty much the only sport I ever played. dabbled in basketball here and there. Um, but other than that, just played soccer, played soccer at George Mason um, after school, played two years of professional soccer for the Campaign Rowdies. So I blew out my knee, um, just locked up one day and had an surgery that that evening. And uh, a, from there. What was the surgery? It was called OCD, which is like osteochondrial distances, just cancers or whatever. Um, and I don't think that, or I don't know, but they didn't do something right that day. And then had to have surgery again six weeks later. And then from there, I wasn't cleared to run on like a professional level basis where you had to do it every day. Um, so from there, I didn't play sports for a while. Moved back to D.C. after there. So I left school early. Um Left after like my fall semester senior year, because that's when the season started. Went back, finished school, got a job in D.C., lived there for six years. Met my wife in D.C., um, and then we got married and moved to Chicago. I just wanted to see a new city. Planning on being temporary at first. Uh, I was working from home. She just transferred the same job, and her family owns a uh, heating and air company back in West Virginia, and our plans were in a just moved back there and take that over so I was working remotely uh going back once, once a week a month uh working there in management kind of learning the ropes and then we kind of realized we love Chicago um didn't really see ourselves moving back there so we love the suburbs here and that's different it's like the suburbs here are more affordable than bc and that's kind of been our sticking point and we've met a great group of people and everyone just seems nice A lot of my friends have moved away from DC. A lot are still there, but everyone's kind of trying to to figure out where they want to go in different places. So it's nice to be able to visit them there. Um, But that's kind of how we got here. And yes, I'd say early life, I was all about soccer. I was pretty gung ho at it. And once that kind of shifted, I kind of had to switch priorities in life. It's been kind of nice. It's blessed with the skies. Um, I don't know. I mean, even if I was playing soccer till today, then I kind of have to start from step one and finding a job afterwards and just kind of be a little behind. So I like that in the sense of having, had some time with my friends when I was younger versus playing every weekend, practice every day and living in cities that were far away. Um, definitely miss like the team camaraderie of everything. But other than that,
0: I'm sure there's, nice. I'm sure there's uh, some elements of disappointment with the career ending like that, you know, with, with injury but yeah. but did uh i mean dude you got to a professional status in in a sport like yeah there's such a small percentage that gets there
1: right and uh yeah i mean it definitely sucks ending that way and not being able to go off on your own terms and it kind of still not to today i mean there's like pretty high level adult league teams you could play for that like i, I just can't do like i can't i can't even wear cleats really My just Because I'm even level of my knee, and that kind of sucks. But it's okay. I made it to where I wanted to get, and I got to experience it, and it was good. And still have a lot of friends that play, so I can kind of live vicariously through them, watch their games go on, and just kind of follow their their path. And it's been nice. So,
0: does um, your soccer experiences how have they translated to your golf?
1: Um, probably, in a bad way, probably, <laughs> in soccer, you go so fast at it, in golf, you have to kind of slow down, and then you have so many people that are trying to, like, compare golf to soccer in the terms of, like, the face and your foot, and I'm like, this is just wrong. <laughs> I just can't, <laughs> I don't think enough people have played soccer in a in a way that they can compare too. But I guess it's good because I mean, I have so many friends do soccer that play golf and that's been nice. And soccer was always a a golf kind of calms you down. So I feel like a lot of people get into it. So in that sense, it's nice because um, I just have, I mean, I have a pretty good group of friends that I'm, unfortunately don't live here, but we get together and go on trips, which is nice. Um,
0: it's so, fun. yeah. And, you know, watching your, um your demeanor on the golf course, obviously you, you do enjoy the uh, social aspects of it. Right. And and just mm-hmm. engaging with others. And I, I think that's a recipe for always enjoying yourself regardless of play. But um, I've noticed that as almost a trend in, you know, there's a lot of uh, former hockey players that play in new club. There's former basketball players and former soccer players. I think as, as someone who's been overseas and played in Europe, the soccer players remind me of golfers in Europe and, and I think, I think it's just the nature of the game, like where <laughs> it's truly a team, team sport, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so, yep. uh, less about it, the individual stuff. So maybe we just got to get you in some team match play formats, I think. And you'll just,
1: yeah. And I think that's going to come up getting better. <laughs> I've noticed there's like a big t- <laughs> atmosphere in golf, but I mean, I'm, I'm still not always getting the text, you know? Like I'll have some friends. I'm like, Hey, want to play Thursday. And you're like, Oh, already going out. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the
0: team, the team aspect can work against it. Yeah. I think it's going to
1: come once I get better. So, but I, yes, yeah, so I've definitely noticed that. And, and it's fun when my friends get together, we do a lot of team stuff and that's it. That's what really definitely gets fun.
0: Yeah. No, those Ryder cups are always, are always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, as a DC guy, uh, yeah, I would imagine you're a Washington Redskins fan. Yes. Hardcore. So I got to ask you well, cause I read about it yesterday in the paper is um, name change. Yes. No. Does it need to happen?
1: No, I'm definitely for the name change. I mean, if it, I mean, if anything offends just a couple people, like what's kind of the necessity of having it. And I, and I know that like growing up, you would always read articles that like, 95 percent of native americans were happy with the name and but it's almost the sense of did you real i mean obviously that poll is like a thousand people probably so i mean <laughs> even 95 percent of a million is still a lot of pe- a five percent a lot of people not happy so i mean I, it's just i mean it's also tiring of hearing about it so, i mean and it's also we're awful so it's not like you're <laughs> the kansas city chiefs and need to change your name so if anything, you just look at it as a new start and you've already lost your fan base in general anyway. I mean, tickets are like 10 bucks for Redskins game right now and they fill up like the lower bowl. So why not just start fresh and why not? I mean, I think Dan Snyder's just very stubborn. So I'm glad it's finally here. And even though I've I've questioned myself on the time for me to transition to the Ravens, <laughs> just <laughs> they're in Maryland and who cares, but I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs>
0: Don't come my way, man. I'll, we won't be able to, to play together. I'm a Browns fan. I'm never. I can't even look uh, at the Ravens without getting sick. I
1: know. I have half Ravens and half Redskins, but
0: if, if I'm, they, gone,
1: I'm excited for it.
0: If they do change the name, what would you want them to change it to? Um,
1: I kind of just want a sick jersey, to be honest. I, I don't really want the Warriors, which is which has been kind of flirted with, just because they're in the NBA and. I don't really, I don't know. I'm just Washington Warriors. But I want something with an R. So just to yeah. kind of keep some of the stuff that they have and like HTTR, which helps to the Redskins. But they can change that easily and just kind of to a new song. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's. I hope it comes out soon. I know some guy like got the, like pretty much the top 20 names he bought him as trademark. So I know Dan Snyder is going to have to. <laughs> Put up a happy check to some guy, some lucky guy that thought
0: ahead of all of us. You know, it's funny how that stuff works. Like the, if you follow the money, it, some some of this stuff really, uh, you know, makes. I just shouldn't say it makes sense, but you can understand why it's been done because of the money. I'll give you an example. So I'm a uh, Cleveland Indians fan, and they're having mm-hmm. the same conversations about changing the name. Um, and one of our members, his. Like really close friend is, uh, I, won't, I won't give away the title, but it's, it's, they're involved in the program. Mm-hmm. And, and so they've tried to, to downplay that logo. You know, it's, it, it is, it's offensive. And just like you said, if it offends three people, why, and it, why keep it, right? And, right. Um, and so they, the, if they do release it, though, somebody can pick up the trademarks. If it's not being actively used, they can pick up the trademarks and they can sell it on their own. So they don't want to run an issue where someone's profiting off of this logo that they tried to get rid of. And then in the ballpark, they still have a bunch of hats and jerseys of, you know, this this racially insensitive logo. So I I thought about that. I'm like, Whoa, what do you do? I mean, I guess you could hold on to it, put it on like one cap in the top corner of the pro shop and no one can buy it. But, um, yeah, it's weird, man. You know, it's like, there's too much business considerations when we all know what the right thing to do is. It's just with all the money involved, it maybe not, doesn't happen quick enough. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, hopefully it does. Um, (laughs) since we're on the topic of race, I definitely wanted to ask you about your experiences as a black golfer, you know, Mm -hmm. um, as we historically know, golf is not the place to go for diversity. Um, it's just, it just hasn't been, and I want to see, like, what what has your experience, especially these last couple years, you know, how has um, being a black golfer been for you?
1: Um, I think, like, I think six months ago I tweeted, there's there's nothing like the respect from one black golfer to another on the golf course. And it's so true because, like, when you walk past another black golfer, it's just, like, instant, like, we're here <laughs> type, <laughs> type feeling. Um, and, and it's just one of those things where it's, it wasn't always like a sense of belonging at the golf course. I mean, it's not really in the black community. I mean, it's just an expensive sport that it, it never really resonated. So now like kind of being there, you kind of feel like, Oh, this is nice. And, um, and I've definitely noticed there's a, a lot of people are getting into it. Like I follow the hashtag black golfers on Instagram. I follow like a lot of black golfers that are trying to become pro and it's kind of nice to kind of see And, and a lot of them are putting, kind of our own style in the game, which is nice too. I mean, it's not always so as traditional, but it still looks traditional. And it's just coming along with the times, which is good. And it's good. Just kind of, I think everyone should try everything. And I mean, I have seen in soccer as well. It's not huge. I mean, in America at least, because it's, it's such an expensive sport here versus in other countries. It's the best players play. And it's kind of how golf and soccer are here. It's just too expensive for a lot of, converse areas to kind of get into it um, so it's, it's kind of nice and i and i want to get like other tips into the game as well um i'm i'm starting mentorship this year at legal prep and i think it'd be nice if i could i don't know take take the guy i mentor out on the golf course and i just think it's it's good to kind of be around it and there's so many powerful people in golf as well. And you can, I mean, just getting to meet them on the course is nice where you don't really think you'd ever get to meet people and just kind of getting them out of their element and just kind of being able to talk to them there and learning from there and learning how people got to different situations. But I mean, there's so many like country clubs that just started allowing black people. And it, I just feel like it's, it's just a catch up game and, it, and it's just nice to see other black offers out there. And it's just, that's that's another reason I keep you going out and the, like the Harborside Range is nice because it's on the south side, you see so many more black offers than you do anywhere else. It's just
0: it's great to see. Yeah, I, I mentioned to you on the on the range, or asked you about um, last time we were out of the one the one disappointing thing I think I've seen kind of 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 late because there's so many good things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just what you're talking about, like I started following the black offers hashtag as well, and I'm like, man, this is. This is great because it's just a bunch of people that love the game just like I do, and and that's why I want to you know celebrate it. It's not because uh-huh. someone's black or white. It's just they, they love what I love, so you know exactly. that's, that's celebrated. But the one thing I will say with golf is this: um, I guess the word is tokenization in a way, uh-huh. where a lot of golf entities are tokenizing you know the um, the black offer. And, right. and I'll, I'll, just, I'll use a historical example because I, I had to read up on this. Um, uh, Craig Bowen, who's actually a guy down at Harborside all the time, he's uh, uh, the – I think he's the head coach of uh, Chicago State. He, okay. he, he helped write un, Uneven Lies. And uh, in there, it's, he did a bunch of research for it. And um, in there, there's a story about a place I've played that I had no he- recollection of the history of it. But uh, it's Shoal Creek in Birmingham, Alabama. And, okay. and in 1990, the president, they're hosting the PGA championship, like a major of golf in 1990. And the, uh, the club president was asked about not black members. He was, they don't have any black members, but they asked him about, um, black guests, like guests of, of his club. And, and he, his quote was, uh, no, you know, we're a private club. We don't, we can allow who we want. And, and that sort of thing doesn't work in Birmingham, Alabama, and it was an outrage, right? People were very upset. And and their, I, what the article I was reading after I, I read about this in Uneven Lies, I was like, I got to learn more about this because that's not that long ago. Like I was right. just – I was getting into the game of golf <laughs> at that time. Um, it was uh, – it, it, so it, it did have an effect across the country, and every private club looked around and saw, you know what? We don't have any black members. But what mm-hmm. they did was they all went out and, you know, Almost recruited a, a single black member, and then they they put that out there of like, see, we're we're uh, right about equality. You know, we're diverse, and in mm-hmm. the reality, and um, honestly, we you know many months ago we learned this lesson. We we had diversity. It's it's one of our core values at New Club, but we didn't want to put it out there because frankly we're not that diverse. Like, right. <laughs> it, 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 we we aim to be, but we're not going to parade around like we are. Like that's just right let's be honest with what we, what we are. So, um, I, I was just curious cause I, I see this happening again, this kind of like, mm-hmm. Hey, here's our, our one. I was even thinking about it, uh, quite frankly, having you on the pod. I didn't want that to be the case. You know, like I wanted you on cause we, I knew we'd have a great conversation, but, um, when have you been tokenized is I guess my question. And like, how can we as white golfers make sure that doesn't happen and we make sure that it's yeah. about, it's about the right things.
1: Um, I mean, I guess it's like, uh, it's kind of twofold. I mean, it, it's good in the sense of wild realization that we're not involved and we need to get involved in, but it's definitely like, then you kind of feel like, oh, am I here because of that? So, I mean, so, I mean, I guess it's good. I mean, it's in the sense of everything. I mean, I, I've seen it in my kind of own job. Um, there's definitely like a big push to hire like higher diversity I mean and like I got hired at my current job in like in November and then you kind of look around you don't know, see many black people and then you see like three black people in your starting class and you are kind of looking around you're wondering am I here because of that I mean I know there's numbers you have to hit at the end of the year and, but I mean the thank, thank you I'm here I mean I know I deserve to be here more than anyone else and it's okay and I mean and I and I think it's the same thing. You you probably will see it in golf. I mean, I'm close they want to cut memberships half? I mean <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but I think it's and when it's advertised, I guess people see that it is there and it kind of inspires you to go there. Like if I saw a country club that advertised they were super diverse, I'd be more likely to talk to them. Um, but I guess it's also the sense of now nah, you're kinda of just throwing around. Um so I guess it's hard, and I, I guess you, it's you don't know where you can. I mean, and you see what big businesses. I mean, they're hiring people at the C, C, C level, but then it's like are they just chief like diversity officer? I mean, you kind of need to see you need to see people at the top in order for it to kind of trickle down. So for me, I would kind of need to see like diverse people in, in management at country clubs and not just like kind of members and and things like that. So it's kind of tough. Um, so I mean, it's going to be tokenized in anything you do, and that's just kind of how it it is, and that's kind of where we are. And I mean, as long 1990 was 30 years ago now, so it, it's kind of I mean, it's going to be a slow effect. I mean, we've been here 2,000 years, so if we're just now starting to kind of get in these better positions, it's going to take so long for it to feel equal. And and no one wants to feel, especially now, no one wants to feel like they're not diverse. Um, so it's kind of nice to see like people who aren't speaking up and then you can kind of understand that kind of shape their true colors. So it's okay. I mean, I'll take it for now. Um, but yeah. So.
0: Yeah. it's and, and again, with all the positive, positive things going on, I, I did want to hear just from, you know, you, the, uh, the things you think, are, are really going to make make change and, and make mm-hmm. golf more diverse. Like you, you dabbled as a kid. What do you think would have helped you get fully in younger? You know, you, you're in the game now, so it probably doesn't matter. You're still, you're a golfer anyways. It, it, it all worked out. But do you think there's other things that we can we can do for kids maybe that is going to ensure the game will, will be more diverse in, you know, 30 years than it, than it was in the, the last 30? Um. Yeah.
1: I mean, I would think that. I mean, there's no like real like camps where you see diversity when you look around. And you don't see anyone teaching that's diverse. I mean, I, I guess you could. It's just a hard. It's it's hard because you need equipment. You know, it's like you have to kind of already have started the game to kind of get into the game. So that's the that's the hard part of it all. Like basketball, you kind of show up at the court and you can be awful, but at least all you need is the basketball and you can be taught. Um, so I think that's gonna be hard at the kid level. And so that's the reason why soccer is not big because you don't see black people like in, in the pro. Um, so you kind of need, you need someone to really, like you need, as far as like, so in the sense of soccer, you need someone like that's gonna be a World Cup star that's black, like, Le, like LeBron James. And you need someone for them to look up to. I mean, you have Tiger, but it's still just one person. So I guess that's where sports all trickle down from who you watch, and that's just the issue. And, and not a lot of people are watching golf on TV; they're not seeing it. And I think that's the hard part. That's that's where you're going to really get kids into because you see basketball, or you see football, you don't see soccer much. That's another reason. I mean, yeah, they, you need someone to look up to, and you need the posters on the wall. And that's it's,
0: what's tough. Yeah, we need the heroes, right? People to yeah to look up to, and I, I think it is also pretty interesting that Tiger. Not only did you know a black golfer be at the the top, he dominated the top mm-hmm. <laughs> like like think about that there wasn't even like prior to tiger obviously there's guys like from your hometown Lee Elder, who you know mm-hmm. unbelievable uh, first guy to play in the masters um, or was that Charlie sifford I think it was I think it was Lee yeah, it was Lee, but um you know guys like that that opened the door and and were right. really good professional golfers, but then all all of a sudden you just have. One black offer that dominates and mm-hmm. and I don't think that trickle down has like I guess growing up, I always thought that that trickle down would be would be more because you see them all the right. time, you know, and the the dress plays a big part into it as well,
1: like I mean you have to have the khaki shorts and i'll I'll always tell the story, so that's just terrible you know so i' congressional since I was in sixth grade and I was volunteering at um what is that was it it was a PGA tour event like it was it was Congressional um and I forget what it was because the name has changed two times by now. And so I volunteered to hold the scorecard like with the person walking behind the people and the golfers and I uh so they sent the attire and you had to have like khaki shorts and a polo and so I was supposed to go buy some khaki shorts because I didn't own any. But like my friends were all hanging out after soccer practice, we were sleeping over at the hotel. So I was like, I'm just gonna go there instead of go to the mall that night. It was fine. So I had, so I showed up in jean shorts and a polo, at Congressional to hold the the scorecard. Walking behind, and who who are you, who are you behind. walking behind? I I think it was Ben Crenshaw. Is that and yeah. he had the and he had the course. I think it was, would that be a recent golfer when I was in about sixth grade?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, he would have been, he would have been more towards like the end of his career, I think, in the 90s, right? I'm going to have to look it up, because he
1: had the course records that day. <laughs> right, so people were flocking, I had to change the score over and over, like, I I, <laughs> I have to look back, because I have to remember the tournament, and I'll, and I'll let you know what that was, but like,
0: that's there were awesome.
1: a ton of people, and I've never felt so awkward in my life. I was looking around at people, and not one person had on jeans, jeans shorts, anything. But they had, a, like, a, not a lot of the volunteers showed up that day, and so they had to, like, go with what they had, and I had never felt so miserable in my life. <laughs> and, like, just so, like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know jeans it, were in a lot of country clubs. And, I mean, this is congressional country club. <laughs> it doesn't, like, this is on, like, the top 100 clubs. Country. I oh, top yeah. fifty clubs in the country. <laughs> such...
0: Well, if you look that up, because if, if it was if it was Ben Crenshaw, he's a pretty hip dude. I guarantee you, he owns a bunch of Dem- uh jean shorts, and probably would prefer. And then who was?
1: Them. And then who was the Fred that played at Maryland? Was it Fred?
0: uh Fred.
1: Fred Funk or Fred Couples? One of the two. He I was in our he group. Did. It was a decent group. Like it was it wasn't like this was other Ontario. So, so that's the other you, thing. I mean, if you, did you, did you, you know, get yelled so like at for lie. the dress code?
0: Is that what it was like? Did uh, they tell you? Yeah, but
1: it was like, like I just knew right away. Like I didn't. Like, I, I I knew I was supposed to be the khaki shorts again. I like, showed their jean shorts, thinking it was okay, and then they didn't have any alternatives. I would think they would probably bring you something, but they didn't. I mean, I was in sixth grade, and I don't think they're really gonna. I might have been either six or seven grade, I wanted to, and that was just.
0: This, a this, bad is, time. I mean, this is. I think this is really.
1: Feel,
0: I, this is really interesting it's bad because time I. My life. I never, been, it was an epic day for Ben Crenshaw and Fred Funk, but <laughs> for you, it was very traumatic.
1: For me, it was And I would look on every hole just hoping that he saw an awesome jeans and clear. I mean, I don't think jeans are loud and professional. There's no chance they are.
0: You know what? I, I, I just, it's funny. I, I wouldn't necessarily think about those things as barriers, right? Because I grew up as a golf, you know, little range rat and probably had a closet mm-hmm. filled with khaki shorts. <laughs> but why like khaki shorts are pretty lame now that I think of it. Like I never wear khaki shorts unless I'm golfing. Right.
1: Right. I can't,
0: I can't think of enough time that I do, but exactly. um, So you can't
1: get in with what you own. That's, that's, I mean, even if you're providing clubs at a camp, if you don't have like, I mean, I mean, I know I get it. I definitely get it. Especially now. I mean, I have endless amounts of golf clubs and, I enjoy wearing like a lot of them. So I mean, I get it, but it's in the sense of getting kids to enjoy it. I think you kind of have to get them in their own element and then starting to like it, and then they can transition to enjoying it because they're not going to show up in khaki shorts. I mean, they're just not right,
0: (laughs) right. And I I have seen some some courses and clubs be a little more lax on that for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know the traditionalists will say like, no, everyone needs to learn the traditions because that's what makes golf great. And although you know. I somewhat agree with that statement. I think you just got to be welcoming, man. And there's so much right. that goes to it. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't think of that, that kids don't yeah. own khaki shorts. But yeah. if they don't, that, that's such a, it's going to be a barrier. So remove it. Just let them show up. Yeah. With the, if they come from soccer practice, they come from basketball practice, whatever it is, just let them put a club in their hand. That, like, that's my main, right. main thing is um, put a club in their hand and, and make it more um, affordable. That's probably the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but did you feel like, because you said soccer was expensive. So I'd hear, I'd like to hear your perspective on soccer and golf being, cause I never thought of soccer as expensive. But now that you say it, like <laughs> all my buddies that got to, you know, um, the tra- travel teams and stuff like that, I guess mm-hmm. it did add up. Um, golf is definitely expensive. And so right. I was, I was hyper aware as a kid of not the, uh, racial divide in golf, but definitely the economic divide. Like I knew I wanted all my buddies that played soccer and baseball and basketball with me to be on the golf course with me. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I begged them. But at a a young age, I realized they're not gonna be able to afford the clubs, the attire, the the course, Mm -hmm. you know, all this other stuff. And that's, I think that's the first time that I really noticed it um, was like at eight. But did you notice that with, friends and, and such both economic and, and kind of the, the racial barrier to to both the sports that you picked up?
1: Um probably not so much as growing up as it is now. Like I have a ton of friends that are coaches now and soccer just became such like a expensive sport. Like it's just insane. And they notice it, I mean just from club fees to well they have also just made like all like fields are like now turf fields and they're expensive to rent and just being just getting seen is what's expensive so like you can find a team and play but it doesn't mean that like it'll, it'll, it'll transfer to somewhere else which sucks and, and you see so many good kids that just can't afford like club fees and cleats and all this but as far as when i was growing up i definitely played on a really diverse team my whole life and i played on the same team my entire life and and that was just lucky um in the sense of we played on an awful we practiced on an awful field but we played in the best leagues. I mean, we were top five in the country, my pretty much my entire life. So, and we were were able to get to the best tournaments. We'd always have to stay in the best hotels, but it was, it was in a sense back then where it was a lot easier for a team to be good. There was only one, there was only like you played in state cup, you played, every team played in the same tournaments. Now there's like 10 different leagues in order to be in the best league. It takes so much money. And it's just, it's, it's bad like there's articles that you can read there's college articles now that you can kind of see where it's kind of just weaning out and getting so expensive and it's always a kid's first four then it's cheap when it's the, like when you start, and kind of getting to a good team it's just so expensive so i don't know how they're going to fix that problem but it kind of needs to be fixed it's just because i mean that's why i mean every other country's so good at soccer because it's you kind of get into a club, and they find the best players, and it's free. They go there. They go to these academies. They stay in these academies. They live there. They feed them. They do all these things, and it's just free to be there. They're just so that's just kind of how it, it needs to transition. So I don't know how that's going to happen here, but
0: yeah, I think I, it's it's funny that it is such a diverse game. It's probably the most diverse game around the globe, right?
1: Yeah, I mean everyone plays it. I mean every. Neighborhood plays in, in America is just how do you get the kids from the neighborhood into a team? And I'd say it's probably the, the best talent in the country. will never do all that, and that's just sucks Yeah. So, I mean, it's not as expensive as golf, I don't think, but it's definitely in the sense of like it should be cheaper as a team sport. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I I think I think golf probably has a few more excuses for its expense than than soccer does, but right. there's certainly things that golf needs to do like um you know we've had multiple people on the podcast that help build golf courses and something numerous of them have have told me is it's not more expensive to build a good golf course like Mm. everyone who who you know demands these fees for building a certain golf course the way it is and then therefore making a, a membership x amount of dollars or a round of golf x amount of dollars more than it should be that's just prohibiting so much of the population from picking up golf and right. and so you know stuff like that like there's actually there's good stuff going on though like i don't want to be down on it because um actually a guy that we just had on the podcast who's a member was involved in uh your hometown of dc doing the national links trust and like they're they're restoring golf courses um you're probably familiar sure. with them it's langston uh it's it's uh East rock- yeah East rock creek. and rock creek yeah So it going to be one of the things they restore and then it's going to be
1: expensive to is It's going to be restoring.
0: No, that's exact. That's exactly what I was going to say is they're restoring it, not for uh, a a wealthy, you know, tourist or for a country club membership. They're restoring it for the daily play. And so they're like, they're really committed to the same fees. And that's why they're doing like a 40 year lease. And it's, it's not about making money. Like, yeah, you need to get money and operate it for a profit, but right. I just, I'm so gung ho about this uh, project, man. Like it, it, if it works in DC, it's, it's going to work everywhere. And then hopefully, right. you know, places like, like Torrey pines out in California, right? Like America's muni. That's BS because it costs 300 bucks for a visitor to play. It, right. and, and I get it. Like if you're local, you play it for 75, but it's, it's built for professional tournaments and it's not, frankly, it's not that much fun. Like they're, they're, they're going to build a course in DC that's going to be fun and playable and get people into the game and keep them in the game and, and keep it affordable okay. for them. And so like, yeah, I, I don't want to be negative because I think there's good people out there doing, doing stuff to help, but mm-hmm. it's, it's going to take, it's going to take time. Yeah. It's going to take time. And then you would have been on, you know, places like that you've been playing and you never would have blown out your knee and you'd be on the PGA Tour by now.
1: Exactly. There you go. <laughs> the, the courses in my county were actually pretty nice. There's probably six or so that are just county, like mini courses that are, I mean, amazing within driving distance and within 30 minute driving distance, which was nice. I wish I would have gotten into it a little bit, I then. Cause I mean, Twilight is like 20 bucks to play around, so it's it's pretty nice. I mean you can pay a thousand bucks for unlimited to all the county courses for summer, which is good. Jeez. Um but they actually do have some really good courses, just I mean I mean it's a really good county, that's the thing. <laughs> it's not yeah. like, it's a really expensive county. It's like for the for how cheap it is, it kinda goes against each
0: other, but Yeah. Um let's talk about some courses. So you uh what's your favorite course right now in Chicago?
1: Um I would say, like, my favorite all the time course that I could really pr- probably go to is Ravislo. Just kind of the conveniency of it, because, um, again, I don't, I, I don't like to travel. I don't like to push into, like, an eight-hour day, so Ravislow's like, perfect distance, still get there, use the range, play, have a drink, get home. And it, and it feels kind of country club, club vibes in the, in the way that there's, you look around sometimes when you go early and there's no one else out there. Um, so that's always good. And then, that's, and then courses kind of, I do like Baltimore a lot because I do like their members. Um, I've met quite a few members there and I think they have a good group and they have a good, they have a good diverse community there, which I've noticed. Um, so, and it, it's a good place to kind of just hang out. So I really do uh, enjoy that and, for, and I, and I did like, um, in the sense of more relaxed, fun and putting kind of it all together. I, I did like kick Yelks a lot. Just in the sense I felt like you got to the pro shop, they're super relaxed and welcoming and it just was a good time and you didn't feel like you were eat. So kind of just putting that all together. But now I kind of want to get out there and play a lot more courses now. So that's what, um, I'm getting to. And I'm playing on the field next week for work. So I'm kind of excited about that because I've heard good things out there, and so yeah. So I'm I'm definitely starting which to which course the, you play? I, I, uh North Course.
0: Yeah, it's a big, it's so, a break.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's free. <pretty exotic. laughs> um, so I, I definitely have followed a lot more courses. I was supposed to play Lothonia and Dearon two weeks ago, but I got really sick. I got got stomach bugs. So my friends are in town, and we were supposed to go play. Um, they flew in and we we're we were gonna do this local golf trip and so they go out but I didn't. Um, yeah, I was like definitely ill of that and I got tests and everything and I was negative and then they finally like came back and it was like called Clambo Doctor or something. Um, but yeah, so I missed out on those but I am so do all Sony on the twenty fifth. So I'm excited about that because I follow them on Instagram and every time I see it, I just just amazing. So yeah, it's, and it's and it's, I follow. You'll love it. So <laughs> that's all I'll say. You'll yeah, love it. I'm excited, and I follow a lot of courses locally on Instagram, and just like I'm, I'm kind of at the point where like I, I, don't want to hack it up, so I want to kind of get to a level where I can just feel comfortable going. So that's kind of why I'm hesitant on some places, and the once I'm there, then I'm going to try to play as many as I can. And and being part of the group is nice too because you're understanding the different courses and who like makes them, which is nice. Cause I never was up something I ever thought about in the past. And that's kind of nice to read up on. So like I've noticed now how like people who create the same courses, how the designs are similar. That's kind of cool to see and how they differ at different places and are still the same. That's that's cool.
0: That's it's such an unspoken part of why golf why playing different courses can be so fun because um mm-hmm. it's just there's different brands, you know? Like right you, you dig the the look and feel of a certain brand or a, you know, type of wine or a type of a beer or whatever mm-hmm. that golf course is the same way. And if you, if one guy built it this way here, he probably built it somewhat similar there and you know, <laughs> you go try them out, see what you like.
1: Yeah. that was so over my head when I first tried the group and I obviously had to research it because I had no clue on the enough <laughs> and that, and that's been cool because it's like you're understanding it all. And that's like, it's fun it's yeah. not like just the same soccer field
0: and, cool. and if your game what i love about it too is if your game really sucks that day you can totally focus on the architecture and who built it yeah. uh, i if, and what i i tell people that i tell yeah. them if, if they hear me talking a lot about you know the architectural integrity of the golf course that means i'm playing terribly
1: <laughs> but it is nice to see and I, and I was definitely a carter before everything like i was like bought a car back so there's no way i was ever gonna walk and it's been nice walking now because like you do get to really enjoy the scenery more than just like flipping the cart to your next bad shot it's like <laughs> that's yeah. been one thing i've really gotten from the club, which is cool
0: yeah I, I, we feel strongly about that you know we're, we're yeah. never gonna make somebody feel bad about taking a cart but um <laughs> especially now dude it's gonna be hot yeah yeah, like yeah. I, like I know I'm all about walking, but my ass will be in a cart because it's gonna be like 105 <laughs> index.
1: Yeah, see on those days it's like no nah, carting, yeah. but now that yeah, but I mean it was impossible to walk with a cart bag, you know. like but now that push carts are open and stuff like that, and I'm a walking bag. It's, I'm definitely enjoying it, and the is a lot better when
0: you're walking as well. For sure, yeah. Conversation just flows when you're when you're walking yeah. versus hopping in carts. Um, you also i think your your wife Allie is from west virginia right yes and you've been playing it a little bit back there like i i don't really know much about west virginia golf but i i gotta imagine with the hills and land movement like there's probably some pretty cool golf courses
1: yes yeah, so there's um two in her hometown so there's a country club and then a public course and so the public course is really cheap um, not super well maintained but it, it's very scenic and it's, I mean, it's fun to play and i when the first time i ever played there i met this group of guys that were all 65 to 85 and they play four four days a week without fail um everything they it, it's money every time they play and i just started playing with them and it, it's kind of cool to, like, like the guy i was carding with he had a handicap thing on his cart. He he'd literally had to pull up to the green. He would use his clubs to, like, as crutches to the ball. Get to the ball, shoot at 150, crutch back. Like, it was the most insane thing I think I've ever seen. And so, that, so I started playing with them a bunch. And then the country club, I met – so when I put in the group, I was like, you know what I mean? Hi, I want you to get in there playing anytime because I was there for two months to record to. And, and Shermer was like, oh, my buddy's playing Parkers for a Country Club tomorrow, which is in her hometown, which is insane. And so playing there, I mean, it was like super nice, super well done, a lot of trees, a lot of hills, but so scenic. And it's just nice kind of being out there because you can do so much and you have so much land. And even like the public course, which wasn't super nice, you felt like it was awesome to be out there and it keeps and back just because it's like, it's almost like if you're going hiking, and you're, you're seeing new things. You're walking about, and that's how it feels. It doesn't feel like commercial at all. I mean, you have a couple houses. But you don't see a store inside, and it's
0: cool. Yeah, I, I, I don't. During uh, I know you were quarantining over there, and um, during that time, we actually got like a handful of members that are from West Virginia or ambassador members for New Club. So I just assumed that you were like sprinkling teas around, just getting the word out.
1: <laughs> I know I should try. I was trying to, um, but yeah, it's, it's a good place for golf, and I think I think you're surprised how many people play from the careers they come from. So that's it's insane. Like you never would have. There's so many like oil and gas people, and there's there's so many, and like the attire is not a big thing there. So you would like literally see. I'd see people wearing like their construction bib still like. Rock and drive 300. People will be like in Timberland boots and just killing it. But it's just it's cool to see because no one comes from the corporate film Not one person that you would meet at the course. Like
0: not one. So it's it's such a big difference. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, I love this conversation, dude. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. um Thanks Any any last words you want to share with with members and listeners?
1: Um, nothing much. Looking excited to play with everyone. Um, Really enjoy being part of the club and hopefully start improving. Get out there and yeah, you will always. Whenever anyone wants to play, let me know. I'm always in.
0: Love it. Thanks, dude. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Some of those favorite courses of yours are are some of the upcoming majors. So that's yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to team up and see you out there. Yeah, I'll see you soon. All right, man. Talk to you. All right. Have a good one. This episode was brought to you by Half Day CBD. Personally, I started using Half Day CBD products a little more than a year ago to assist in three key areas. I use the Half Day oils as part of my bedtime ritual. I like to use the Half Day topical relief creams for my knees, which always start to ache around this time in the golf season. And I use the Half Day CBD gummies as a way to curb some of my first tee jitters before an especially nervy match or tournament. Using the link in our show notes, you can now check out their full line of hemp-derived CBD products, and with the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. You'll also see some of the half-day staffers at our upcoming tournaments and events for the second half of the golf season, so if you're interested in the use of CBD products or just curious about the benefits for yourself, I encourage you to say hello and check them out.